Oh, precious little switches. Gollum loves his Nintendo. Yes, little switches, my precious. Gollum, are you there? You stupid fat hobbit. There you are, you weedy little bastard. Have a look at this. Don't want it. Gollum has precious switches. Behold, the Nintendo Switch XL. No, 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 no! It is utterly remarkable. With a larger screen and 1080p handheld playback. Oh, Gollum, your precious Switch is a complete turd in comparison. Here, have a feel of it. Take it off us. It burns us. Potter, Severus Snape, wrong franchise, silly. Oh, I guess I'll leave you to it. Potter, Baggins, oh, leave me with precious. Oh, hello, Legolas has arrived. They're taking the switch to Isengard. Guard, guard. No, my precious. What's up everybody, welcome to the House of Mario episode 67 and we are the Nintendo podcast, a part of the 8 Collective. I'm your host Drew Agnew and joining me today is Simon from the Apple Slice podcast. How you going dude? Oh mate, I'm, I'm doing pretty good. I'm just sitting back here with a couple of furfies and my schnitty, just smashing it down. No, you know, I'm, that's not actually how I speak. I'm doing well, how are you man? Good, good. It's th- that 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 was a good Bryce impression if I've ever heard one before. <laughs> uh, nice, nice. I'm glad we're we're going well for uh, getting the like the furfy name out there because it's only it's only it's only a relatively new beer or well, in our area anyway. But <laughs> yeah, I tried some about a week ago, and then oh no, a couple of weeks ago, and then when I heard you you reference it a, f- a couple of times over the episodes, I was just like, this is our connection. So. All right, so like, I'd like to think we actually sold you on the beer. I'd like to think that. Yeah, we'll, we'll roll with that. For those out there who don't know what you do um, much about your podcast or what you do, <laughs> uh, t- tell us a bit, a bit about yourself. Of course. Um, I've just had this ready to roll off the tongue. <laughs> uh, I <did> so, <laughs> no, <laughs> That's all right. Okay, so basically, if you're really into Apple technology, whether you have a preference for uh, iPhones, iPads, Macs, Apple Watch, anything, then Apple Slice is the place uh, to listen. So basically, it's myself and a co-host who's currently in Melbourne, um, and I'm situated in uh, Albany, Western Australia. And basically, it's all about the latest Apple news, reviews, uh, rumors, and all that sort of stuff. And we try to uh, make it a bit unique by giving it from an Australian perspective. So there are some mm. ex- Australia-exclusive stories and, and stuff um, that we can, you know, we can let people know about. And also the fact that the majority of tech podcasts are American, and obviously they're talking all about American pricing and everything's very American-focused. So we'd like to yes. think that, you know, while we're on the other side of the world, while we're down under, that we can, um, you know, it's not like there's a there's a delay in receiving stuff, but it's just kind of like the experience of having, say, Apple stores so far spread out and that sort of thing um, just certainly makes it uh, makes it different. And I am hope that for... Um, for Australian listeners, they can find some you know, relation in that. Of course, we do have uh, international listeners as well, so they probably just want to hear a couple of Aussie drongos just talk about Apple. So, <laughs> yep. yeah. um, there you go. If you're, yeah, if you're into that, then Apple Slice Podcast is where it's at. 
Yeah, I, I absolutely love the fact that um like the the Aussie perspective because um I, I'm really into Apple products as well and I check out like a lot of uh, stuff on YouTube and it's all American and it's great to have like you guys just break it down in the Australian perspective. Really love it. Yeah, I mean my co-host is South African, but is an honorary Australian, so yeah, yeah, uh, you get you get a bit of a bit of accent mix there, so. <laughs> Uh, so I guess we'll talk a bit about. So we're we're both from. We're, I'm from South Australia. You're from Western Australia. Mm. Are, are you I'm, actually regional South Australia? Are you? Like, uh, yeah. So, farming. Yeah. So we're uh, four hours south of Adelaide. Well, I'm five hours south of Perth. <laughs> <laughs> well, alignment. It's crazy though, like because you know WA uh, and South Australia particularly are just. I refer to as like the forgotten states. Like I know that you're more centrally located, but it really the majority of Australia is happening, yeah, and is condensed around your your, your Sydney, Melbourne, and and a bit in Brisbane. So, I mean, we're not as forgotten as Tasmania, but no. when you're <laughs> over, when you're over there, like home, like our homes, just seem so far away. Yeah, yeah. How do you how do you find sort of podcasting and uh, being able to keep up with you know, what you need to, what, what knowledge you need for your Apple podcast. How do you sort of work oh, what, around that? Yeah, I mean, I have a lot of you know go-to sources and stuff because we don't want to just report everything because there's a lot of clickbait crap and all that sort of stuff. You know what I mean? So we kind of like yeah. between myself and my co-host, we sort of decide what we actually think is worth discussing. Um, now with him living, having lived in Sydney, then Melbourne, he has like immediate access to Apple stores and stuff. And that's where I fall short because, um, I have to drive five hours to get to one. So, yeah. uh, that's, that's the only difference there. And obviously with there being so far fewer stores, um, I'm hoping that part is at least relatable for listeners, you know, knowing that, or, you know, just having that thing of, okay, I do have to actually drive several hours to, to physically go into a store but um yeah so my main thing is just hopefully just trying to get in as quick as possible with the online orders but the actual stuff we talk about itself it's pretty much accessible for for anyone with an internet connection do you know do you know what i mean it just depends how closely you pay attention to it but i just think it's it's good how, like that we're not both you know capital city based um yeah much like- much like yourself because he's because where's uh bryce is he regional as well or yeah, he's in the same town as me, yeah. Oh, okay, yep, yep. Yeah, so um, I was actually, on a side note, when you said that you're, like, you know, when I first discovered House of Mario, I checked out your Twitter, and you're like, you know, into, into, or you, you said your description uh, was farmer, and I thought, I just immediately assumed that because you were into gaming, it was something to do with, like, Stardew Valley or something. <laughs> <laughs> and then when I actually saw a photo, I was like, oh, he's actually on a real farm. Bloody eyes. So I just, yeah, so <laughs> that that was cool yeah. because where I, like, my day job, um, I'm a marketing manager for a place that manufactures uh, attachments for, like, ag loaders, telehandlers, uh, oh, really? skid steers and stuff. So yeah. through being, I've been there for, like, over five years now and I've kind of acquired that, you know, I need to know about the products, right, to market them. So it was a whole new world when I started, but I'm kind of like right in the sort of ag machinery and ag field days kind of scene. So, yeah. All right. Do you come down um, our way often? Because there's a fair few field days um, around Yes. Us. Yeah. So we do, uh, I mean, we online we advertise everywhere because we sell all around Australia and stuff. But um, we have done stuff in those like regional ag newspapers and that. Um, and I think, 
we were planning to go into some of those South Australian field days next year. Um, or right. there's like there's like those those ones that happen every two years. But um, yeah, hey, maybe I can convince them to fly me over, and I'll be like, drop in. <laughs> yeah, there's a there's a big field there's a big field day a uh, farming field day at Lucendale. Um, I think okay. About, think about march every year so interesting if you if you come down to that one i'll see you there <laughs> yeah yeah that'd be cool and i just thought it was like totally appropriate that your last name is like agnew it's like you're the new generation of agriculture well wow, i've never heard that before i'll <laughs> <laughs> you're just repping it for everyone out there <laughs> drew drew new ag or something i don't know yeah anyway <laughs> that's enough about uh farming so. <laughs> uh, we better move into some nintendo before uh, everyone drops off Yes. Um, <laughs> uh, so we'll start with uh, some of your favourite games from from your childhood, from wherever in life. <laughs> okay. Well, this one is going to be now. If you haven't realised already, I love puns and wordplay, so I wanted to call this a retrospective because rare games are the shiz. They were like my thing. They're what got me so far into Nintendo, and yeah, I just want to. I basically want to focus mainly on the home console, so not so much a handheld. I know Rare did still did a fair bit in that space, but it's going to be primarily about 64 era mainly. So just to kind of give a quick uh, rundown, the first uh, Nintendo game I actually played, which was the first video game I played, was uh, Battletoads. You know, um, <laughs> we're sticking to the Rare thing, but it actually was Battletoads. And that was when I was about five years old on the SNES, um, yep. yeah, around my friend's house, and I thought that was amazing. And then, of course, straight into that, um, we had like the Donkey Kong Country series and, and stuff like that. Okay, and then sort of moving past that, the first game that actually... Because uh, keep, keep in mind, at this point, I didn't actually own a console yet. So I would always go around friends' houses. And the first game that actually scared me was when I was nine years old, and that was GoldenEye um, <laughs> 007. <laughs> because, uh, first of all, not having much experience because I didn't own a console. Secondly, because it was a first-person shooter and then thirdly because it was me and my friend and and his mates who were all very experienced in it and we were big head mode you know battling each other around golden eye and i was just like don't shoot me don't shoot me don't shoot me and i had all him and his mates ganging up on me and be like we're gonna get you simon and they shot me <laughs> and i cried because <laughs> oh. i was just like and, and you know you're running around with a big head as well and this sort of stuff and i was just like I don't know how to play this. Like, don't shoot me. And, um, yeah. But anyway, I got over that and actually got quite into, um, once I picked up the skills, got into playing GoldenEye, I just didn't let my parents know that I was, you know, shooting each other uh, because I think they would have been more concerned about me being nine years old playing a, a game yeah. where you're actually killing people. So, Especially um, back in those days, yeah. people. Yes, were, yeah. <laughs> people and they were, were like, my games. parents were, like, highly religious as well, so... Okay. Yeah. Yeah. There's, I was like this innocent little kid just getting shot down by me and my my friend and his friends. <laughs> yeah. None of my friends actually had Goldeneye, so we I had I didn't have a heap of experience um, getting to play multiplayer and that. Not until not until later with uh, emulators and things like that. But mm. I yeah. was sort of more the person that, as I said, by this point I was experienced enough because I'd just gone around to people's places. But I was actually happier just watching people that were good at it just play yeah. it. Yep. Um, I just, and I love that sort of stuff and kind of like helping them out being like, Hey, look, there's someone over there and that sort of thing. But if they handed me the controller, I was a bit like, Oh, I don't really know what I'm doing, you know? Um, but that sort of thing comes with experience and age. Um, so a little side note is actual first Nintendo con- console in any form I owned was the Game Boy Pocket. 
that was like the year it came out. So I was 10. Um, it was the dark blue one and my sister had the teal Ooh, one. So yes. I, yeah, I, I love that because again, I'd play plenty of my friends, original Game Boys, the big chunky Game Boys, the ones with the, you know, semi-clear, you know, translucent look. Mm. But yeah, when they had this was like bigger screen, like slimmer, dark blue. I was like, yeah, so that was sick. And, yeah. Um, the screen is so much better on it too. Oh, definitely. Yeah, it's such it's such a nice looking uh, like it's too, like to this day it's still such a nice sleek looking nice handheld. <laughs> yeah, because you can. I remember comparing it to like original Game Boys, and original Game Boys looks the screen looks so like yellowy or greeny in comparison yeah. as well as being smaller. Um, but yeah, it is it is, and the fact that it was you know Game Boy Pocket, it, it was quite literally pocket sized, like. In terms of a handheld, I just nailed it, I reckon. Um, and I had, I had all sorts of games on there, but um, one of my favourites was like the Star Wars one, and then you had, um, you know, uh, Super Mario with like the six golden coins and all that sort of thing. So hmm. those I really loved. Now, in terms of an actual home console, we we actually rented some back and forth, you know, like classic blockbuster days where you you know rent consoles. And we actually rented a PS1 first. So I could have been a Sony person, right? Like, I'd played them around my friend's house. I'd played Nintendos and that. But there's just something about, like, especially, you know, 64 come out by this point, that I was drawn to. I don't know whether maybe it's just, like, say the graphics themselves in the games were better and that sort of thing. Because I'm a very kind of, you know, I, I, I work with, you know, now as an adult with graphic design to illustration and stuff like that. So, and back as a kid, I'd be drawing all the time. So I guess maybe I was more drawn to things that looked nicer as well and then i kind of mm. liked the, the the playful nature of, of some of the 64 games right so we we rented between those you know, did a ps1 and then we rented a 64 and sort of back and forth a bit and then my birthday in 98 so i was 11 years old like year six and i was literally the 64 kid like you know the video of the 64 kid yeah that was me like <laughs> that was my reaction i was just like don't blame you oh yeah. my god i was just like you, you know, he runs his hands like he's trying to grab at the box, like he's trying to get into it and stuff. And I was, I picked it up and I screamed at it, and it was, ah, uh, I, I was like, Nintendo sixty four, like it was so good. And I had the one with the atomic purple controller, um, and you know where you did the classic thing where you had the purple control and the grey one, and you unscrew them and make them half half, and that sort oh, of okay. thing. No, not, yeah, none of my friends actually did that, no. Yeah, yeah I used to do it all that the time, cool. thinking that we were held techie, that we could like use screwdrivers. So. <laughs> <laughs> um, that was sensational. So with that, I had um, Super Mario 64, Mario Kart, both of which I'd played at my friends' houses before. And keeping in the segment, segment of Rare, I had what I deem the holy grail of Rare platformers um, on a 64. So which game do you think that is? I think that might be uh, 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 Banjo-Kazooie. I think you might be correct. Oh, yeah. Ding, 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 ding. <laughs> and that is what kickstarted my love of Rare games. And I actually went as far to use Banjo-Kazooie as an oral presentation that year. Like, I was doing a, a full thing on, this is this is uh, the type of you know graphics that the 64 can do, and this is the type of um, style that Rare has, and... Um, and I, you know, the classic Banjo Kazooie intro, like I played mm. that to the class, and well, that is awesome. That is so cool. I was really proud. Yeah. yeah. Were, were you confident when you went up as well to like sh- share with everyone else, like like the game you loved? Oh yeah, I was straight up, and um, yeah. I think the teacher was a bit, you know, like teachers are, and they sort of like, what's this newfangled video games? And they were a bit like, <laughs> oh yeah, that's nice, Simon. And, and but the actual kids in my class were like, I want to play and stuff. So 
That was pretty awesome, cool. Yeah. Although, unfortunately, Banjo-Kazooie isn't exactly a, a, a game you can just jump in and start playing. You know, like it started the whole story mm. sort of thing and everything. So it's not like Mario Kart we can start racing straight away. Um, but, yeah, it was funny watching one of the kids struggling to actually direct Banjo outside of his house, you know, at the very start of the game. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. I remember, I remember when I was that age, like I would have been... I would have been terrified to go up and sort of do that in front of the class because I would have been playing like pretty much nothing but Pokemon at that stage. And yep. I, you know, like the, the kids outside of my friend group, they'd be like, oh, I'm playing Pokemon, bloody, you know, little kid or whatever. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, I was... Okay, so around that age for me, around that year, we're talking year six for me, 98. That was like the peak of Pokemon. That was like Pokemon Explosion. That was like, so no one would have at that time, at that age group, would have said anything about it being Kitty because everyone was hyped on Pokemon. Yeah. Um, that was like red and blue. Like, I don't even think yellow had come out yet. Like, yeah. Yeah. yeah it, was, it, was, it was, those were the days. Yeah. So this would have been about 2006 when I was, like, it would have been Diamond and Pearl on the DS, I think. Ah. I, damn, I, showing that age, son. <laughs> I remember. I remember going to Target to pick up Pokemon Pearl. I've been waiting for it for ages. Been reading Cerebi.net, and I went. I went to get it from Target, and I saw another kid from school. Mm. And immediately, I'm like, "Oh crap!" So I went. In, I went and like hid. I went and hid the game so yeah, he didn't yeah, yeah. see me yeah. b- like buying Pokemon. This is classic. And, and like then you know he left, and I went and went and bought the game. My mum went and bought the game, whatever it was. And thinking back to it now, it's just so stupid. If if you're if you're but you do that or, at that age, like you do dumb yeah. stuff like that, yeah. And coming into high school, everyone starts like everyone's like admitting like you know I never stopped liking Pokemon. I I never stopped liking Dragon Ball Z. I never. <laughs> it's like like so many things when you're a kid you just look back and think how silly it is <laughs> yeah well because because yeah. i remember being like fully pumped on pokemon right through year six year seven then high school i moved to you know it's like a different school altogether right and so it's like i remember being as early as like you know start of year nine still talking to my friends about oh did you catch this episode of like digimon they just released series three or whatever and my friends are like at the time looking at me they're like oh that's kind of like childish like that's kind of for kids and i was still pumped on that like pokemon slash digimon thing um so that's kind of when it was falling out of favor and then it like came back in but yeah like i for a, for a solid four years there i was just like yeah pokemon just had the had the i even had my like pokemon watch like that yellow pikachu yellow watch um in, the, in year eight and i remember like we having to do like a test or something it's perfectly quiet this is like brand new high school like the first week that we're there and we're sitting down and everyone's really quiet, and I don't know anyone. And then suddenly my alarm goes off, and Ash appears on the screen. He's like, "Wake up! Gotta go find those Pokemon. Wake up!" Gotta go. <laughs> and I, could, I couldn't shut it off, and everyone started laughing. I was just like, "God damn it!" Like, but that, that sounds didn't... like a really high tech watch for back then. Oh, it was crazy. I had like <laughs> it was, it was the screen it, yeah. was actually um, pretty decently sized. It was like the same size screen as a as a Series Three Apple Watch, you know. Really? But it wow. was yeah, but it was all sort of you know it was obviously like LCD black and white. Yeah, sort of thing. But um, yeah, it was cool. That, that was fun. Um, uh, the the funniest thing though is so you know you know back in those back in those days when you're like ten, eleven, and that, and your your ability to tell bullshit stories is at an absolute high. Mm-hmm. You know, like when you just like make stuff up to make you know, yeah, you're basically definitely. lying all the time. You know, you're <laughs> exaggerating everything. And my, and my friends are like. 
oh, happy birthday, man. I rocked up at school. So I just got the 64 that morning, right? I rock up to school. Mm-hmm. I'm like, yeah, I'm like, yeah, got 64. I'm like, got Super Mario, Mario Kart, Banjo Kazooie. I was like, Banjo Kazooie. I was like, I finished it. <laughs> <laughs> like, Legend. I'd had the 64 for an hour and I had to go to school and I was telling my friends I'd, fi- <laughs> I'd finished it. And, and they're like, oh, yeah, sweet. Like, they didn't even. Like go, oh yeah, bullcrap! Like it was. <laughs> yeah, you can imagine it now. It's like, wow, that's a short game. Yeah, that's like Pokemon <laughs> Snap level. You know, <laughs> uh, I do remember that though. Playing because uh, po- you could finish Pokemon Snap in like forty minutes or something. Mm, like yeah. it, it, if you if you just rush rush through it, yeah. Okay. Um, all right. So at this stage, I was like, to to give you an idea of how I am with Apple now. I was with Nintendo back then. Like I. They they were my Apple. Like I was just so into it, and I would like defend them all the time, and I'd like research everything, and I was subscribed to like Nintendo magazine and all this other stuff. Um, so I was like the ultimate, you know, Nintendo fan. But my pri- in my primary school, because um, I actually grew up in Brisbane, um, the the actual primary school itself was like predominantly like Vietnamese students and stuff. Um, in this suburb in Brisbane, and mm. they were all PlayStation One fans. Like, oh. I think there was one of them, like sixty four, and so it was me and my like three friends at like sixty four. So say that's like four, you know, us four guys versus like thirty other kids that loved Sony. So all the time it was just like debates about mm. you know sixty four versus Sony, and then we used to have like we used to have um, handball matches, and we'd be like Team Sony, Team Nintendo, and stuff like that. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it was sounds, fun. Yeah, it sounds similar to um, pretty much what I went through, but that that was um, the generation of the PS2, which is even worse. <laughs> yes. With, um, well, yeah, because by that point, that was um, word of when around that era. Were you talking about when GameCube had come out, or before? Oh, so yeah, when the GameCube was out versus like the PS2, which everyone had a PS2. Yes. Everyone had a PS2, and I, I had nothing. Like, obviously, I've got nothing against. I had nothing against the PS2 because it's a you know it's a company with a box, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but like, if if I say you know I like I like I didn't have a GameCube either. I just I just at this stage I had my Game Boy Advance SP and I went to friends' places and played games there, like game consoles there. But if I say I like Nintendo, it was constantly Nintendo's crap, Nintendo's shit for kids, like, blah blah. Yep, yep. For kids, like it, it it got so tiring, and eventually it got to the point where I was I was sick of it, and um. I sort of put that, I guess, anger towards PlayStation, which is silly, um, because now now I'm a I am a big PlayStation fan. I enjoy their products and that. But mm. back th- back then, it was just like, yeah, it's, it's, it's just so frustrating. <laughs> so oh frustrating. no, d- definitely. Because my main thing, especially, was that like people didn't understand what the sixty four and like Nintendo sixty four meant, and I was like used to tell them all the time about how 64 is more powerful and this is why the games look better and blah, blah, blah. But mm-hmm. then, of course, by the time PS2 comes out um, and then by the time GameCube comes out, they're on much a closer level, um, you know, yeah. like visually. So I was a bit like, oh, crap, I'm losing my upper hand. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> um, But anyway, uh, back to the actual rare games themselves. So Banjo-Kazooie, um, obviously, as I, I still hold that very dear to my heart. I love how they expanded it with Banjo-Tooie, and Banjo-Tooie is definitely like a darker game, but I think because that Banjo-Kazooie was my first, that's why I still like prefer that one. Um, I remember being going psycho over the whole rumours of a Banjo 3E at the time, <laughs> yeah. like what was going to come after it, and then obviously you know, by that point, um, 
that you know, any game came out, they would switched over to Microsoft. But uh, even like down to, so as I said, I was a subscriber of Nintendo Magazine System. I would have like my artwork like published in there pretty often. I'd draw pictures of rare characters and stuff. And I actually made like, do you remember Connects? You know, like how there's like Meccano and Lego and stuff. Do you remember? Yeah, Kinex? I used to love Connects. Uh, yeah. Yeah, so I made like a Connects model of a standing kazooie with the wings spread out um about like as tall as i was at that time um i've got a photo of it somewhere and i sent that into nintendo magazine i was so proud like yeah just having this um like you know you know the white pieces those white um yeah they were like kazooie's eyes and stuff and yeah it was really cool so i'll see if i find that picture but that's awesome i just i just used to build the um the things on the box (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> exactly yeah yeah you, you like you'd be the ones that come with it and then you look at the other ones um other yeah. pictures and try and like emulate them yeah that was cool um okay so moving on from that i never owned perfect dark but i absolutely loved playing it with friends so i was obviously i was, I was like year eight by that point that came out um and at the time i i would tell people that i i think i thought it was better than golden i don't know what i think now going back but i think i just loved that futuristic aspect of it um, but I actually wasn't the biggest first-person shooter fan in general, so mm. that's sort of why I didn't end up buying it, but I, I played it many times at friends' houses. So did you ever get into Perfect Dark? No, I didn't, no. No. Um, yeah, I ne- like like I said, I never had a 64 of my own back when I was a kid, so I never got my own games. And Yeah. It was a lot of just what my friends had. My friends just had, you know, Mario 64, Banjo, uh, like, you know, the, the usual affair, which most people had. Yes, so, yep. Yeah. That's fair enough. Um, there was a shooting game I really loved, and that was Jet Force Gemini. Mm. I really loved that. The visual style had what I was looking for. So while GoldenEye and Perfect Dark go for kind of like more realistic look, obviously, um, Jet Force Gemini had the kind of clobby sort of Banjo-Kazooie style body structures to them um, and the way that they kind of move around, except for this was sort of more that crossed with like a futuristic Metroid almost anime-ish style um, mm. and I love the fact it was a third person shooter and then you could sort of switch to first person mode so that was really unique and those weapons were really fun like multiplayer battles were great um, now one that is essentially tied with Banjo-Kazooie um, as my favourite rare game is uh, Donkey Kong 64 yep. like <laughs> damn that is the only reason I don't give it to that is because Banjo was the one that started it all like but Donkey Kong 64 had everything, like everything you wanted. Um, my favorite part was showing everyone like the difference in the characters and, and their different weapons and the instrument. And of course, DK Rap, I'd play DK Rap all the time. Yep. Um, <laughs> and now out of those, which one was your favorite? Because mine was actually uh, Lanky because I loved how goofy he was um, and his weird kind of like spin arounds and stuff. Yeah, I, I quite like Lanky as well. Probably... Probably, probably Donkey. Kong. I, I do like Donkey Kong just because he is just the you know, the OG, the, the main yeah. character. Yeah, the, yeah. the main the main man. <laughs> <laughs> um, and of course, this was the debut of the expansion pack as well. This is like the first game that used it, um, mm. which was classic because I remember, you know, okay, being in Brisbane, like hotter climate. I was playing the crap out of it in summer, and my my sixty four and the expansion pack were getting really hot, and I was like, it was like a 40 degree day or something and i i remember like worried being worried about it so i took the expansion back out and i put it in the freezer um <laughs> and then like i waited till it was cold enough and then i put it back in and then my 64 didn't start 
And I was just like, what have I done? And then I waited like 10 minutes and I think it came back to like room temp and then it worked. But <laughs> oh, yeah, so yeah, yeah. <laughs> not the smartest idea. So <laughs> Let's put the, put the whole 64 in the fridge and uh, still have it hooked up to the TV. Maybe that will work. <laughs> just to make it extra cool. Yes. <laughs> uh, Diddy Kong Racing is, is a classic. Yeah, um, yep. I, didn't, I didn't play that as much as Mario Kart with friends because everyone had Mario Kart, but... You know, it has the lineup that you want. And while my younger brother ended up getting a PS1 and he had Crash Team Racing, like, I really enjoyed that too. That's kind of when, like, I had, like, the guilty pleasures of, like, okay, maybe, like, you know, PlayStation is actually fine, but I wouldn't actually admit to people that I liked it sort of thing. <laughs> um, okay, of course, the the ultimate curveball, Conker's Bad Third Day. Yes, yep. One of the... One of the last rare games on the 64. Oh, yes. It's like this cute little character that you've seen in all, you know, in, in the whole lineup of um, of characters. And then they just make him adult as fuck. Like, all the all the humor in there and, and, and everything and, and the jokes was like a huge talking point. Everyone's yeah. like, have you played Conker's Bad Fur Day? Do you remember this bit? And, um, and I was around 13, 14 by then. So I was kind of like, okay, you know. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like, my parents still didn't know about it, but. Yeah, no, it's right up my alley. I absolutely love the Mighty Pooh, like all the, the, the music <laughs> stuff in that game. It's just, it's just ridiculous. Yeah, it is yeah. nuts. Uh, literally nuts. Conquer squirrel nuts. Okay. Um, <laughs> now, one that I hold very, very dear, which is totally always gets forgotten, is Star Fox Adventures on GameCube. So that was the only uh, rare game on GameCube, and it was actually pushed to that uh, by uh, Shigeru. Uh, yeah. Because it was originally going to be on 64, and then he wanted to make it like uh, a GameCube launch, right? And um, I'd actually moved to Albany right before the GameCube came out. So this is, and I was around year 10 by this point. So I had it at launch day and stuff. And man, um, while there's a lot of comparisons to it being too Zelda like or whatever, I just loved how, like, the visuals in that game at that time were just so good. I think I spent more time actually just jumping and swimming through water than actually playing the game. Like, it uh, that had that was like how I felt about Rare, you know, it, and that visual style with Banjo, but like turned up to 11 because obviously the consoles had come so far by that point. Um, and, and there was that interesting factor because I remember um, following uh, the rumors of, oh, Rare are working on this game called Dinosaur Planet, and I was really pumped on this Dinosaur Planet, and that was actually Star Fox Adventures. Like they turned Dinosaur Planet into that, yeah. so there's actually a lot of. Cro- if you read the see the original sketches and stuff, there's a lot of crossover with the whole staff and and everything like that. But they've just sort of replaced it with Star Fox IP. Um, but yeah, that was cool. Yeah, I wonder. I wonder how frustrating it was for them when, like Miyamoto, come to them and said you have to put an established IP on it instead of doing Dinosaur Planet. I feel like that's what might have like hindered. Apparently, that it was like redone, like Dinosaur Planet yeah. in itself even before that point was like two or three times sort of mm. re- redone yeah yeah so they might have been in trouble anyway let alone what what was before. that other one they were was it rare that was working on camelot uh was that was it was uh that yeah that, 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 that there's a launch title on um on X- xbox 360 yep. yes and i remember being so pumped for that game to come out on gamecube and then when they switched over i was gutted because mm. i was just like that looks so cool like you know you'd be able to sort of translucently see like oh, within the within the the actual um, monsters themselves and stuff. Yeah, that looked really cool. Yeah. With Rare going to Microsoft, did that make you want to get an Xbox 360 or was this around the time where you sort of um, got, nah, got out of well, gaming? 
Well, I was... Um, I forget what year that was when Camelot came out, but I was like as intense uh, about GameCube as I was 64. So I was like, GameCube or die. Do you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> I, I'd, moved to, I'd moved to Albany, started a new school again, you know, year 10. And I remember like my first week there as well. So this was this first week at a new school thing. <laughs> um, my first week there and um, GameCube was due to come out like the week after. And everyone, I'm just getting to know people. And I'm like, oh yeah, I'm like, I'm so psyched to pick up my GameCube from Toy World next week. And they just like laughed me down. Because they were all like PS2, um, Gran Turismo, this and that, and blah, blah, blah. Grand Theft Auto, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I was just like me and one other guy who like liked Nintendo. And then I actually ended up converting a lot of people to getting a, a GameCube um, after the fact. Because I would like bring it around and we'd play, um, especially a lot of the fighting games and that. And um, like Soul Calibur 2 and stuff like that. Yep. So that they people actually bought GameCubes because they... Actually, really enjoyed it, and then of course you know got Super Smash Bros. Melee was the big one um, that certainly you know pulled people in. So yeah, though they were they were my rare games, and I've had a, a since. So I had the sixty four. I had ton of games. I sold all of that to get the money for the GameCube. And I bought GameCube, and I had like and I've still got the GameCube. I've got about like fifteen games for it, um, and I've got the Red Mario Anniversary Edition Wii. Um, oh, nice. uh, you know, with Super, new Super Mario Bros. I don't love that, and but then I didn't end up, and I sort of played that more casually. Got a bunch of other games, but definitely played that more casually. And by this point, I guess the reason I dropped out is because I just like I'd gone through high school and stuff, and then I started working, and I just got busy with that. And through like working and doing my um stuff, my certificates at TAFE with graphic design and that, that's what introduced me into all the Apple computing stuff. Do you know what I mean? So I kind of yeah. That phase, one thing phased out, one thing came in, and then it's like I bought my first iMac, and then I was like all in and 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 psyched on that. So I've always watched things like Good Game and stuff like that when that was around to kind of keep up to date with what's going on. And I was so glad that Nintendo came back swinging with the Switch, like especially yeah. after the seemingly like disappointment of I've only played like a Wii U once. Do you know what I mean? Um, and I when it could come out, I was like so pumped to get one. Um, but then so many people were bagging it and stuff. And when the rumors of Switch were coming out, and I, I was, again, getting back in, like, the Nintendo defense mode, be like, no, this is going to be cool. And everyone's like, no, Nintendo's had too many chances. This will be crap. It'll be gimmicky. And I'm so <laughs> pumped that it's just gone against that. They've had, um, they've had yeah. too many chances. They stuff up one console in between. <laughs> yeah. It's well, all, no, I, I, I mean, I think, I guess you had a lot of, like, my friends that were into all their shooters and stuff and way into into you know PS3 and stuff by that point and they thought that Wii was like like a novelty at first because of the motion and then they because Wii was inundated with like party quick party games and stuff mm. they didn't take it seriously so they kind of like just had almost dismissed Nintendo altogether yeah you can so, make the, you can make the yeah. argument for that but i think it's just i think it was great having Nintendo with the Wii with just a completely new experience like completely different, yeah. And that's what I love is they've always been focused on purely the gaming and fun aspect of it, and mm. they are willing to come up with something new. That's like they're they in terms of actual creative thinking. I, I think that they stand way out against the others, because um, yeah. because the others are just becoming like a, a spec war thing, and which is cool if you want that, but it's like 
you know, and now it's at the point where even the the big hardcore fans of Sony and stuff aren't even getting pumped about the next consoles. Like, yeah. oh, okay, you know, it's just going to be a a big spec boost, and here's Xbox with this Scorpion thing or whatever coming out, and mm. yeah, yeah. So, because um, hmm. like late late last week, news come out that someone like an executive at a Sony said, yes, we are developing a next gen console. Everyone's like, all right, there's PS Five news. Everyone's speculating what it's going to be. It's going to be a spec bump. Mm-hmm. Uh, a, like a bit of a modified controller, some new features, and you know that's pretty much it. But with, with Nintendo, it was so exciting. Like when um, NX was announced by Iwata, yes. and yeah. he, he was he was saying it's a it's a new way to play games, and everyone's thinking about what that is. The rumors are coming out, and it's like this, <laughs> it's this oval which is just a screen. Yeah, <laughs> and it comes out, but it's like oh, a rumor comes out, but the controllers slide off. It's just, it's just so much more fun covering Nintendo. Like yeah, I feel. yeah. I mean, we will touch on this uh, a little bit later in this conversation about the 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 next iteration of Switch, but mm. that part in itself is going to be not a new gen altogether, but rather a variation, as far as we can yeah. tell. Um, but just just quickly. I was so psyched when I saw like the trailer and everything for Ukulele being like the spiritual successor to because it was from original Rare developers, but not actually Rare itself. Mm, yeah. Um, but I, I was disappointed to hear that people were actually disappointed in the game itself after it came out. So, did you play it? I, I did, and I did kickstart it. I did play the demo, um, but it released April uh, last year, two thousand seventeen, and April, mm-hmm. and that was probably not even a month after the Switch came out, maybe just over a month, and I was deep into the Switch, deep into Zelda, deep into um, whatever indie games I was playing at the time, and I just did not have the time to turn on the PlayStation and play ukulele. So I haven't I haven't even touched the full game, to be honest, because I had so much other stuff to <laughs> keep me busy. Oh, but did, did it not yeah. come out on Switch? Uh, it did, but it didn't come out on at launch on Switch. It came out... Oh, uh, yes, yeah. Probably, probably at the end of the year on Switch, if I yeah. recall correctly. Just because everything about it was like ticking boxes, do you know what I mean? I was like the mm. coloring and the fact it was like a chameleon, and I like love reptiles, and I was just like, yes, yeah, oh, that was going to be my reason to buy a switch sort of thing. Yeah, do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. I, I, I've I, and this is um, actually a question I'll ask you in a bit. Um, I've always actually been teetering back and forth of like, should I, shouldn't I? Like, do you know what I mean? Um, but the right main reason I'm holding not uh, holding off on getting back into gaming is just because of just because I just do so much work outside of work and everything as well. Like, yeah, like I really want to, but it's just like, you know. Um, Definitely a time sink. Um, yes. So it's, <laughs> it's it's like anything in life, you got to weigh up the pros and cons and get your Yeah, and, it's like I'm, yeah. I'm fine sort of like it, it, casually playing some like iOS games and stuff. And when they released Super Mario Run, I like bought that and completed that and that was fun, you know. So... That kind of scratched that itch a bit, but um, talking about just Rare and Nintendo, though, just to finish this off. Do you think Rare could ever come back to Nintendo, or like, what's the the deal with it? Uh, yeah, no way in hell Rare's coming back to Nintendo. <laughs> what because Microsoft? Yeah, just Microsoft, have them. Yeah, well, Microsoft owned them for a long time. They were just using them as the uh, like the the backup studio or um, the Connect Sports. They were doing a lot of Connect games. They were doing avatars for uh, Xbox Live for a long time and it's only recently now they're they're, uh, doing um, what's that game called? The pirate game? It's escaped my mind. Uh, Sea of Thieves. So 
they're, they're running Sea of Thieves at the moment and now with Microsoft they're really really ramping up their first party effort to get exclusives on their console and uh, yeah Rare are going to be at I think the forefront of that whether it's continuing on Sea of Thieves support for that or just um, yeah bringing new IPs because Microsoft need that they, they need colourful characters they need fun mm. worlds to explore and Rare obviously um, even though a lot of the people have left they're definitely in the best position to make those games okay so what yeah. was games like grabbed by the ghoulies like was that any good or um, I it was okay I think I didn't I, I haven't played a lot I got the Rare collection on Xbox One sort of oh, dabbled, yes. I dabbled yeah. around in some of these games um, yeah it wasn't bad I mean it's going back to an original Xbox game for the first time so it's a bit mm. hard to hard to judge well, what did you end. think about um, the fact that they re like did the makeover of Banjo Kazooie like at the time? Um, like nuts and bolts, the uh... yeah, 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 like the one they released on that Xbox Banjo game. Uh, I I don't I don't have a lot to say about it, but I remember Bryce because Bryce is a massive Banjo Kazooie fan. If if you um didn't know that already, but he 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 quite liked it. He he okay. was quite happy with it. He's, yeah. I don't think he thought it was any Banjo 3, but for what it was, he was happy enough. I remember going around to his place and watching him play it, and I'm sort of like, <laughs> sort of scratching my head. But I, I asked some guys in the Discord what they thought of, uh, what their favourite Rare games, as well as like the same question you asked me, if they, they think Rare will be coming back to Nintendo. Um, so the first one's Metadox. He said, I've never played a Rare game, but I'd love the opportunity to play Banjo and Kazooie and the older DK games. Also, Conker's Bad Fur Day looks funny. <laughs> uh, if they did come back to Nintendo, though, I'd love to see them remaster uh, B&K in HD, though. Okay, okay. And Dane PV, he said, we need a deal to be done so we get rare titles like GoldenEye, 007, and Banjo-Kazooie on the Nintendo 64 Classic. Imagine Nintendo 64 Mini without GoldenEye. Also, Diddy Kong Racing with the uh, very nice emoji. And Blast Corpse <laughs> with the cool glasses emoji. Ah, <laughs> uh, yes, yes. <laughs> I uh, I actually, um, I've got a Nintendo 64 now. Um, I got it for 50 bucks, like in box. It has it had a lim- limited edition um, gold controller. And it, oh, and it came the with gold, a, yeah. Yeah, and it came with a box copy of Blast Corpse. Oh, nice. I, ha- I haven't plugged that 64 into the TV yet. I just left it in the box, but... I remember the ads for that at the time. (laughs) Um, So you remember Australian Olympic swimmer Michael Klim? Mm -hmm. Yeah, so he was the guy that was like the face of the 64 Gold Edition adverts. Okay. So it'd be like um, the ad would go like he's like swimming like in a in the Olympics or Commonwealth Games or something, whatever, blah, blah, blah. And he's, like, ahead of the pack and he, like, touches the end of the pool and he's, like, he's won gold, gold, gold. And then there's, like, him, like, holding the gold 64 controller up like a medal. Um, is, that, it was, is that what that gold's based around the, the Olympics, or is that just uh, a coincidence? I, I, I think it was. I think that's a coincidence. I just think it was um, like because they could see, at least for an Australian audi- audience, the tie-in with like, hey, let's get this, yeah. you know, highly recognisable figure. And I was, and that I'll, instantly I was like, Michael Klim's my favourite swimmer. Like I hadn't even really watched him much. I was just like, because of that ad, I was like, yep. Yeah, I was like, I was like, he's the best swimmer in the world. Like, <laughs> people would ask me, I'll be like, yeah, Michael Clem's the best. Yeah, he's gonna smash him. Yeah, you know, he you wins got gold. paid by Nintendo. You're a great swimmer. <laughs> <laughs> oh, um, yeah. Unless he swims like 
Mario, which can be a bit uh, <laughs> bobbing up and down sometimes. So, hmm. um, just before we go into the switch, like the uh, new model of um, Switch Talk, um, yes. we'll talk about the new Pokemon that was announced. Uh, like, what, what oh, were yeah. the what were the last Pokemon games you played? Oh man, oh. Are we talking back. I mean, on the original. I mean, you talk about actual games. Or you talk about Pokemon Go because. Um, po- well, Pokemon Go can count, but what 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 were the mainline Pokemon games? Oh man, it would have been. I had a go of Black and White. Yep. I, th- yeah, because my brother owned it, and he also had Diamond and Pearl. But basically, I I went hardcore, you know, original with with Red, Blue, and Yellow, um, and then of course the 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 gold, oh, the gold and silver. Um, and I was massively into Pokemon Stadium as well. Um, I had I had both of those. Yeah, but oh, nice. yeah, I, I think in terms of actually giving proper time into it, it would have been Gold and Silver era. Yeah, long time ago. Yeah, wow. Um, but I still love it. Like I still, you know, like I went and rewatched all the original series and all that sort of stuff. And um, it's 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 a classic though. Like yeah, and I'm introducing my kids to it as well. And oh, that's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Nothing gives me a warmer feeling than rewatching the original series of Pokemon. It's so Nothing. good. <laughs> like it, it, <laughs> it really. Makes me feel yeah, because I was like hardcore into uh, like Cheese TV and stuff, and that was my that was like Australia's introduction to Pokemon. Um, and yeah, so I would like religiously just watch that like every mm. time. It was yeah, it, it was cool to be at the right age when it was happening for Australia, like when it really kicked off. And the Pokemon movie, I remember seeing that in cinema. Yeah. yeah. I wow. never actually saw the series much on TV. I remember, I forgot where we were. I was, I was even, I wasn't even five. I was, I was really young. I can, I can barely remember it, but I can remember we're in a motel room and parents were watching Oddstar and Pokemon come on TV mm. and I didn't know what it was at all, but I remember just loving it. Yes. And <laughs> when we went away, um... I didn't think I, I don't think I thought about it. I can't I can't really remember, but I remember at school like just um getting the uh, like the the videos and mm. I, I might have had four videos and I just used to watch those over and over. I never actually got to watch the whole series like, <laughs> through as a kid. I wonder which gym you got up to. I I had like the um the third video, so that would have been episode would have been seven to nine, okay, or six to nine, or whatever it worked out as. Yeah, and watching them, I remember the <laughs> the episode when um Ash and the, the gang met the uh, met the Evie brothers. Oh yes, yes, uh, I love that episode. <laughs> and you know how they have the feast. Yes, yeah, yeah. I, I used to always love putting that <laughs> video on while I'm eating. <laughs> it just it just made me want to <laughs> eat. <laughs> <laughs> that's so good um i and i i'm always drawn to like series of things or like that's why i loved like the whole ev and that episode and that because it's all elemental like mm. i just i love stuff like that i love the fact that within pokemon there was a cool variation like that like not everything had to be small medium large do you know yeah. what i mean yeah um oh and oh and i used to um around the time i was peak pokemon i used to draw my own pokemon like i used to draw my this is the evolution beyond charizard and stuff like that like we'll get digimon 
Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, I, I think I think it was kind of like maybe inspired by that as well because Digimon was exploded a bit later, but... Charizard, yeah. Digivolve 2. Natural <laughs> Charizard. <laughs> oh, just while, while we're here, what's before we talk about this super exclusive, super cool, highly unique new Pokemon, um, what's your favourite Pokemon? Oh... I've 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 got a handful. Um I've got a handful's not a Pokemon. <laughs> no, it's not. It's it's not. <laughs> I, some Pokemon have weird names, especially in the later gens, but yeah. Running out of ideas, I guess. Yeah. Uh, as you say. <laughs> but I really like or this is a this is cliche. Love Pikachu. I yeah. went through a phase where it's like, oh Pikachu's you know, everyone loves like Pikachu's the main thing. I hate Pikachu. No, I love Pikachu, it's one of my favourite Pokemon, I absolutely love yeah. it. Yeah. Um, Charizard, Lapras, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Tyranitar, Heracross. Uh, I'll, I'll I'll leave it at that for now. <laughs> okay. Just... Mine. Um, I don't like really like or care for the two stages below it, but Pidgeot, for yeah. sure, is I just that hair looks so badass. Yeah, I and, al- I always used uh, to get one and call it Ace. Oh, okay, nice. <laughs> for whatever reason. <laughs> or flying aces, maybe? I don't know. <laughs> yeah, maybe. I don't know. Um, okay, so Pokemon, what is this? <laughs> well, it's got a name now, but basically you and Bryce were talking about this a couple of episodes ago, and that's why I wanted to ask whether you'd actually confirmed the fact that it has been confirmed, because you were sort of saying, oh, there's this thing that's appeared in Pokemon um, that looks like it could be a glitch or whatever. Um, it, but yeah, it, it it just looked like a big a big mess just from the screenshots I've seen. But now that it's actually illustrated, it's like okay, it's, it mm. it looks a bit uh, cleaner now, obviously. But its name is Meltan. Yeah, and this is from Bulbapedia. This is a uh, this is the biology. So Meltan is a small Pokemon with a shiny silvery body made of liquid metal. Its head is a golden colored hexagon with a large circular hole in its center, resembling a hex <laughs> hexel. <laughs> I can't get it out of my mouth. Hexagonal. Hexagonal nut. Thank you. Uh, floating inside its hole is its eye. <laughs> <laughs> of course, that did it is. Not sound right. <laughs> no, oh, yeah, the, almost. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, a red tail <laughs> extends from its body with two um, precisions yeah. at the end. Uh, I don't like the tail. Yeah, it's a bit weird there. It's kind of yeah. Odd the, the tail's like I, I. The reason I don't hate on Meltan is because the honeycomb just reminds me of banjo, like mm. like just some golden yeah, like reminds me of the golden puzzle pieces or something. And but I do mm. know what you mean. Like upon first glance, when you first saw those uh, screenshots, it does look like a variation like a metallic ditto um yeah, yeah. but um, i don't know i guess it's kind of cute like i just don't like the the tail just seems a bit tacked on but yeah that yeah. Is, it's interesting and in the trailer they sort of alluded to it's um being able to change forms or evolve because they had like a a shadow of like it changing and becoming like this big mm. so mm. i don't know they they might they might even like that all lock be, they might even all lock awesome. together and do something yeah well like like yeah. like magnemite style or something like yeah 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 that'd be wicked did um you, did you find um one pokemon go uh no no i i, I got to sort of get like that again the same thing it kicked off everyone was playing it and then um yeah and then i just sort of had stopped it but i i know that there's definitely an active group where i am so i should get back into it for sure yeah, I my first news of it was actually one of our listeners, Jamie Jamie Penning. He he posted on Twitter saying, 
what the hell is this? And I'm not looking <laughs> at it. I'm looking at it. I'm like, huh. Oh, I've got no idea. It looks like a... <laughs> it just it just looked like a... Di- like it, especially in the actual model, it just looked like a ditto with the thing just plonked on its head. It's like, oh, okay. Yeah, right. <laughs> and especially when it, when it was confirmed that it was a ditto, because when you catch it, it turns back to a ditto. It's like, oh, maybe it was just a glitch? That's so it was a, it, it's a ditto dittoing meltdown. Yeah. yeah so yeah. basically, I think I think like the idea of the story is that that like all these ditto they must have come across these ancient Pokemon and they tra- mm. they transformed and then they've like they they've gone back to their home and that's how uh, the professors have uh, discovered this Pokemon supposedly. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um. One last thing to wrap up Pokemon. Like, how cool is just the fact that, like, the whole Psyduck-Golduck thing, like, or, or or just even Psyduck in itself, like, I just love the fact that it's, like, this stupid Pokemon <laughs> that makes dumb noises, right, and stuff, and everyone thinks it's a butt of all jokes, but it is, like, when it gets its, like, psychic power on, it is insane. And then <laughs> that the fact so that, and the fact that, like, and the fact that it evolves to something that looks cool, like Golduck, yeah, like, I yeah. just... I just love the fact that everyone, it's, it's almost like, I think the reason, um, why I'm drawn to that is because it's almost like, you know, like the, the, the nerdy kid on at school getting picked on and it's like, you're stupid, you're, you know, blah, 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 blah. And then he comes back and he's just like, I'm strong as fuck. Like, do you know what I mean? Like, yeah, it's, yeah. He's like, he's, he's really, it's really a, powerful and can use psychic abilities and he's not just yeah, an idiot. Yeah. Back. Yeah. And when he is doing it, he looks like, it looks nuts. Like he doesn't look. Um, like that being said, anytime I got the Psyduck card or anything in Pokemon cards, I was like, ugh, another Psyduck, like, whatever. But yeah, and Misty never ends up evolving her Psyduck either. No. <laughs> um, in, in the Sun and Moon anime, they they do like a re- reunion episode, and uh, okay, and uh, yeah, Misty rocks up and she's still got her Psyduck. It's like, come on, hasn't evolved yet. Like, what do you what have you been doing for ten years? Yeah. <laughs> what have you been doing? And she always goes nuts. Like when she goes crazy, it's hilarious. Now she did get um, she did get to the point where she she actually loves Psyduck and she's nice to him. Yeah, but I mean that's like Pikachu because he evolves to Raichu and then devolves. Is that is that what happens to Pikachu? Does he, he no becomes no he, a Raichu? No, he he never becomes a Raichu because if he becomes a Raichu, he he'll never be able to uh, go back. But wasn't there like some episode where like a Pokemon dev was it a Raichu to back to a Pikachu, or there was there was, a, I, uh, there was an yeah. episode when he was thinking about becoming a Raichu to beat Lieutenant Surge? Uh, yeah, yeah, I remember that. But, yeah. but like, like Ash puts the Thunderstone next to his bed when Pikachu is in the hospital from losing really badly, and yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Pik- I, I just remember there was a episode where it must have been a different Pokemon like devolved, like it went a step, it got beaten so hard it went a step back or something. Is that? I think you're thinking of Digimon. Oh, okay, yeah, probably. Damn. Because I, I remember, because because in Digimon, um, there's uh, Edamon beat like the Digidestin so badly that um, all, the, all their Digimon went back to uh, in training, which is which is like almost a baby stage. Yes. Yep. So yep. and they had to like yeah they didn't have any protection from them and yeah good times. This is very nostalgic episode. I like. This. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and sorry. Lastly, on there, speaking of Digimon, my favorite was Piedmon. You know, like that villain, that clown. Oh yeah, yeah. He was so cool. I like wanted to dress up as like, I'll, if if I could cosplay at that time when I was watching, I wanted to go as him because he just loved his black and white mask. And he's like, I've always drawn to villains mm. that are like tall and skinny. So like, Jafar out of like Aladdin's my favorite animated movie, and Jafar is my like favorite villain. 
Um, and it's, I, I just love that, like when they just look like deceiving as hell, and yeah, it's cool. Yeah, I absolutely loved Agamon. That was by oh yes, and yes. Greymon and Metal Metal Greymon. How cool is Metal Greymon? Like, it's just like yeah, strong as hell. Like <laughs> absolutely love it. Like yeah, I've got to go and watch. There's a new. There's a, actually a new um, anime Digimon anime, which is with the like original cast and the their adults in the real world and stuff. I haven't gone back and watched it yet. Oh. That sounds. It sounds no, really cool. Yeah, no, yeah, no, because was it was it Digimon series? There's. I'm trying. I'm sorry, but this is, is total nostalgia. I'm thinking back. So you got the original Digimon series, and then you got like I think it's that third series where like the original kids are grown up, um, and then mm. there's like new kids with new Digimon. Is that is that right? Am I thinking? Yeah. Um. I didn't. Fo- like I that. didn't follow Digimon like much after like the original sort of story, mm. but mm. yeah. Cool. Okay, speaking of things uh, evolving, yes. Nintendo Switch. Let's, let's, <laughs> let's move on to that. So, um, we talked we talked a bit about this. Was it last week? So there was a new. There's rumors going around that there's going to be a new Switch model. The Wall Street Journal has supposed information about uh, Nintendo releasing a brand new model of the Switch next year, um, mm-hmm. late 2019. Uh, I'm. I'm really excited to have you on for this because you're obviously like super into your tech and like talking about iPhones, iPads, all this type of thing, and the Switch yes. having obviously very uh, <laughs> being very inspired by tablets because Nintendo obviously has a bit of a thing with tab like wanting to have touch their own tablet, and and yeah. touch screens. Yep. Um, yep. So, what do you think, or what do you think a concept could be for a brand new Switch? Well, first of all, I made one. Um, <laughs> yes, which was a, it, I mean, really, I'd like, I, I, I took an existing high res image and I just, I edited some stuff around, but basically I didn't know of current switch shortcomings. So I didn't know that people had an issue with like stuff cracking or, or anything like that. Mm-hmm. So what I did was I thought, okay, they'll call it a switch XL. And the reason for that will be the screen will be. The physical size of the console will be the same, and the screen will be larger by reducing the bezels um, yeah. <laughs> and making like that bezel uniform, which is classic, like you know, Apple inspired. Yeah, that's, that's um, classic Apple talk right there. Yeah, yes, get rid of the bezels. Yeah, I mean, be- <laughs> like bezels and bezelless and all micro bezel and all that sort of stuff. That's been like the the hot word for like, the last three years. But yeah, definitely. I don't think they they will like round the corners of the screen or anything as cool as that could be. I, I think they'll keep it sharp edged. Mm. Um, so that being the primary difference and obviously inspired by the fact that there's, you know, 3DS, 3DS XL, what sort of stuff. Uh, and um, I think that to go with this, to give the Joy-Cons a bit of a splasher new new design, I did some duotone, you know, like a red and grey, um, and I'm guessing, you know, other colour versions too. And I made the kickstand twice as wide because as far as I can tell, pe- some people had issues with the kickstand. I don't know. Is it because it's too skinny? I'm not really sure. No, it's just a bit flimsy, really. Um, it's okay if you put it on a hard table, but if you put it on something like yeah. carpet, it's just it's not going to stand up. Okay, so y- yeah. you could be like, just assume that it's like thicker and, and I made it twice as wide. So, um, And people like... Uh, Buddy Watson from Dash Culture and stuff. Friend of the show, uh, yes. Yes, friend of the show. Um, and, and also, I, I mean, I, I originally met him via his previous podcast, Review Culture, but uh, he was talking about, you know, Bluetooth support for yes. 
and all that sort of thing. And, and I'm like, okay, include that too. You know, tick those boxes as well because as far as visually, I don't need to show that. Do you know what I mean? So um, I actually spend most of the time not on the on, on the physical changes, but the logo itself. It took me like, I definitely overthought it. I'm like, how are they going to make the logo look different but retain it the same? And because it's central, um, you know, like the words Nintendo Switch and then the icon above it, just slapping an XL to the right of it wouldn't be right. Um, so then I kind of like, yeah, I, I end up making the word Switch and XL and that little bit on the side, the same width as the word Nintendo. And then I added those little corner bits um, around the icon as, as a way to um, visually sort of show, hey, the screen's been made larger, like expanding the corners. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that was that was my reasoning behind that. But all of that and the fact that I think it'll be you know 1080p um, support, 60 frames per second in handheld mode, um, and then just general, you know, spec bump anyway. Yeah, so you think it will have some different tech inside it, maybe an updated Tegra chip or a bit more RAM? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, like, I'm going to go the classic Apple way and they'll have, like, you know, this improved chip, which is X amount faster and can do this, blah, 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 and... um. Yeah but still retain the same form factor. You know, I, yeah. I certainly think it's it's possible. I don't think they need to go... Like, maybe it's it might be slightly thicker, but I still think that the, the way the Joy-Cons connect will be exactly the same. Mm. Um, I don't think they're going to make you buy new Joy-Cons. No, I hope not. Uh, like, you're, you're from a world where you're sort of used to this sort of... Um, upgrade, upgrade every side. year. Yeah, yeah. Yep. But, like, for, for gamers, we're sort of... Like if you're not if you're not a PC gamer, obviously, um, Microsoft and Xbox are just starting this where they're doing mid-year cycles with the yes. PS4 Pro, Xbox One X, and Nintendo's obviously doing it too with the new 3DS. But that didn't come out for was it? I can't remember. I don't know how many years, but at least four or five years. Um, with the Switch, sort of already like this will be a bit over two uh, years when this comes yeah. out. Okay. Do you think yeah, yeah, um, yeah. it'll be that big an upgrade? Compared, like, with what um, you're saying, I I reckon everything we said could happen. Yeah. Um. Like, okay. So put it this way: a 3ds XL costs more than a 3ds. Did it replace it, or did it? Was it just an option? Uh, it replaced it. Yeah. It replaced it. Okay. And was there a price difference? Uh, no, no, it wasn't. No. Mm. Came out at so, two fifty. Yeah. yeah. It's like, and this is the one thing I've actually realized by being so long in the Apple space, going back to looking at video game consoles and pricing, I'm like, what's everyone complaining about? This stuff is cheap. Like, I'm so used to spending so much. (laughs) Yeah, I'm so used to much to spending stuff on tech. And you guys were like, talk, complaining about, you know, when you uh, pit on Dash Culture about the, this is the price of this controller. I can't believe this is this much. I'm like, that's cheaper than my watch band I'm wearing. Like, (laughs) it's um, like, I mean, you, you, you grow used to stuff right and and obviously there's certain things are like you know like all these apple products are own they're not made from plastic do you know what i mean like mm. i'm going for a certain thing if like if they suddenly pulled out you know like a plastic iphone again i'll be like oh i don't want that you know do you know what i mean so but yeah, with video but... game consoles it's it's fine because you can get away with that and it still looks you know sleek and all that sort of thing mm. so yeah um so do you have do you have a switch at the moment you don't have one do you no, yeah. so so th- no. that that was my my final question to wrap off the episode after this was um, to try and convince a lapsed gamer to buy a Switch. Me being the lapsed gamer. So yeah, w- what would you want? Like, 
Is that what you'd want from a switch, like a nicer looking switch, what which runs a bit faster? Is that what? You'd well, want? I was. I mean, I was fine. Like I, it's not until now that I look at it, at it, and you to obviously, you know, the evolution of Apple products and stuff. That I'm like, oh, those bezels are massive. Do you know what I mean? But um, yeah. like, I think that would take a bit. Of if they did do something along the lines of the concept, I, I did. Uh, I it certainly. I don't. It just seems like it's certainly possible, and. In terms of the games available for it, there's plenty enough for me to choose from already. You know, it's not like I'm hanging out for a certain game. My ultimate dream was if Rare came back and made games for Nintendo and they put out <laughs> stuff for the Switch, I'd buy it straight away. I'd be like, I don't care if I have time, I'll make time. Like, um, I mean, that being said... You'd be waiting while, for that, yeah. <laughs> while, yeah, exactly. While I do go on about... and In this episode, we were focusing on Rare. I am a huge fan of just Nintendo's actual IP itself anyway. Like, I'm Mario all the way. Do you know what I mean? I, I played equal amounts of that as Rare games. I just uh, wanted to have an excuse to use the word retrospective. So, <laughs> yeah. Okay, so before I actually decide on the fact it was called it was going to be called XL, I wanted to call it Switch SP because, like, that cool throwback to GBA SP. But looking at the differences between GBA and GBA SP, I don't think it's that naming is warranted. Yeah, it's completely um, different. Because that yeah, was a big change. physical difference, yeah. yeah. There's no way they're going to suddenly change the Switch to, like, a flip-top. Mm. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you just, know what I mean? Like, yeah, just yeah. on the name of, like, Switch XL, unless the actual unit itself is getting bigger, I don't think they'll call it XL. If it's just, like, the screen getting bigger... Yeah, I but, I mean, that, it, that screen's a fair... Like, what was the percentage difference? Do you think that this, like, looking at the current Switch to the one I did up versus 3DS to 3DS XL, do you think that's the same percentage of screen increase? Because it, it, it looks like a fair bit, because those, those those bezels are quite large. When, when the um, when the 3DS XL come out, that was a godsend because the, the screen on the original 3DS was way too small. Yes. Com- compared to your phone and, um, like, the PS Vita at the time, it was just so hard to actually... I found I found it so hard to pick up my 3ds and play it, but when the XL come out, it was like oh, a normal size screen. Thank God. Okay. <laughs> but like with the yeah. switch, the switch at the moment, it's already so big, and like like the screen while while there's yeah. plenty of room for more screen, it's still a big screen for um, a portable handheld. Yeah, it's yeah. I mean, it, again, this is hard to tell without me having like I don't actually own one. I just think that at least. Okay, if they're going to give it an update, it's going to be an iterative update. Like, it's not going to be anything greater than the specs that we've laid out here, right? Like, it, it, even if it is just, uh, maybe the screen doesn't change, and maybe it is just a spec bump. Like, do you know what I mean? And it's, mm. you know, and then what do you call it? Like, yeah, don't know. switch 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 boost. They probably just they probably just call it the new switch or something silly. They'll call it Nintendo <laughs> Switched, like. <laughs> plural like <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> uh, um, or I said you know I joked around and said it could be like filled with LED like specked out with LED lighting and we could be call it light switch yeah it, it, yeah it depends on what sort of market they want to sort of tap with this too because like they, they might want to do a premium switch and make the current switch cheaper so families can um, buy it for like each of their children or they might make this like the 2DS equivalent which is a cheaper switch which is smaller and may- maybe doesn't come with a dock or something like that to get the price down it's sort of mm. it's sort of hard to know like if 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 we know that it's going to be a premium upgrade 
Um, you- that is the classic, like Apple fashion. Generally, yeah. make the current models cheaper, and then here's the one with this. These are like the new features, and these features become standard for like what is, you know, from that point on, sort of thing. Mm. Similar to what they do with like the watches and stuff. So, yeah, that's at least like from a semi-outsider perspective. So while I still keep up to date enough with Nintendo, I'm especially now even more up to date by listening to House of Mario, Australia's greatest Nintendo podcast. Um, Yeah, that that is. is. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I, yeah, like, because I don't physically own one, this is just, yeah, as I said, a bit of an outsider perspective, but it would be cool to see just to, it it would definitely make it more attractive, like, the Switch is already attractive enough, but if there's something to really kind of like push me over the line, it would be something like this. So the game, the games are there, and like, is it just that you want a more attractive piece of hardware? Is that what will push? No, you no, it's it's the fact that I know currently that by getting one, it'll just like like this. It, okay, if I if I had like all the spare time after work and stuff like that. I would have already had one by now, for sure. But knowing what it's like with that, family commitments and you know having kids and stuff, um, that's what's been... I've always kind of put excuses in the way to get back into gaming. Mm. But having the fact that it is portable, that really helps like, re- a lot. Yeah, it does, yeah. So much. Like, I, I wouldn't have got... I wouldn't have finished The Legend of Zelda, like, knowing how big and long that game is if it was just Wasn't, yeah. on a normal console. But having it on Switch... Yep. I played it while I was cooking. I played it while I was um, in the car. I played mm. it for twenty minutes, like on a lunch break, um, and like it really, it really adds up. Like these huge games, you can just chip away at them, and mm. that that's been one of the most. I don't want to use the word revolutionary, but it really has changed the way I can sort of get games played and finished because a lot of these bigger games, like Assassin's Creed um, Odyssey, at the moment, I. That game looks awesome. I really want to play it, but I just know I won't have the time and I won't finish it and I won't play it. So I'm not going to worry about it. The Switch really is a game changer, that's for sure. Yeah, no, it is. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, okay, so Switch XL, if they did that, like, I guess that's what I'm saying is if they made it just that much more appealing, like, it already is very appealing, enough to, for me to justify the fact that, hey... I'm just going to go and go bite the bullet and get one. It'll probably be something like this. Mm. Mm. Yeah. Because I'm the type of person who, who like, if they do do, like, a spec bump and get rid of, like, make the bezels smaller and bigger screen and maybe maybe with the extra power, it can do 1080p in handheld mode and just, like, nice things like yeah. that. Yeah. I'll, I'll, I think that I'll the 1080p that factor, too. yeah. Yeah, definitely. I think the 1080p factor will really... That'll because I'm so used to like staring at like super high density displays and stuff like that. I am I too think... though, but you can't you you don't notice it. It still looks absolutely. It still looks stunning. Like, yeah, yeah. With the yeah, um, especially Nintendo games who that use like the colorful art style. Exactly, I mm. something like Zelda is so stylistically attractive that you know I, I actually totally agree. Like while I just said the comment about you know wanting sharper things and stuff. When it comes down to it, and you got game reviews being like, "Oh, it's only you know seven twenty p," blah blah blah. I'm like, "Yeah, but this art style is just so attractive and more unique than just playing a generic uh, Armageddon style first person shooter." Do you know what I mean? Mm. Yeah. Um, at least that. Yeah, they're the types of games I'm in. 
uh, I'm into. They don't necessarily have to be like all totally family friendly and stuff, but just those adventure platformers, just, just, it's, it's like colorful without being, but cool at the same time. There's something unique about it. That's what drew me to Rare. That's why I was talking so much about Rare before. Um, and they pulled that type of thing off with, um, with Zelda too. So while I really appreciate what they did with Wind Waker, I certainly much prefer what they've got with the latest Zelda. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, when when I think of um, Nintendo art style, I actually do think of Wind Waker. If if I'm feeling down or something, and mm. I'm I'm it thinking about I'm thinking about games. I'm thinking about Nintendo. Wind Waker is quite often the game I think about. Just how pleasant it is, just being in that world. I absolutely love that game. I I defended that game a lot because I had it um, oh, yeah, back when it in came out. Zelda days, yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm. Um, I and the reason I defended it so much is because I remember my sister walking in and being like, "Oh, these games' graphics are crap," yeah. and I was just like, "I was like, it's cell shading is so advanced, you don't know what's going on behind <laughs> so the scenes." Like blah blah blah. I'm like, you know, the polygons, it's like they're bending and all this other stuff, and and because it didn't look realistic and it was like a literal. Yeah, I guess she couldn't separate that factor, right? And I had so many people been like, you know, being into obviously Ocarina of Time and Dora's Mask, and then this comes out, and they're like, it looks shit. Yeah. And I'm just like, I'm like, no, I'm like, this is cool. This is a totally different take. It's definitely like, the best looking a- GameCube game, and probably one of the best looking games of that generation to this day. So it definitely paid off for them. I mean, I'm still, again, having been out of the gaming thing for a fair while. I'm still like relatively impressed by playing some of the GameCube games and that. Yeah, like I've got like you know, F Zero GX and oh Rogue's uh, Rogue Leader. Oh, love Rogue yeah. Leader. Um, um, um Star Fox the Star Fox uh, Assault on the GameCube. Uh, this I was watching the IGN live stream for E3 2015 when they announced Star Fox Zero, and yeah. they were talking they were talking about uh, what Star Fox like. Like what Star Fox might be announced at this year's E3, and they were showing they were showing footage of Star Fox Assault, and I was watching it while they were talking about it, and I was like, "Wow, this game looks really good!" Like in 2015, and it's a it's like pretty much 10 years old at that point. Yeah. And and then the direct started, and they announced Star Fox Zero. I'm like, this game looks the same graphically, like as Star Fox Assault did on the game. Yeah, yeah. I think that's more to show how good that game looked back then, not how bad Star Fox Zero looked. Yeah, see, that's the things... Okay, so that sort of example kind of is what I always come back to between original Super Smash Bros. and then Melee, is Mm. original Super Smash Bros. didn't use 64's full power. Um, To me, like, I was just like, oh no, like, 64 can look better than this. And then when Melee came out, I was just stoked that it used much more of like GameCube's um, mm. graphical power, at least to me. Um, just because I used to hold like a certain bar of like you know Rare being like the best looking games, and then when you had original Super Smash Bros. come out, I was a bit like, oh, you know. Um, yeah, it was definitely like the testing bed. The uh, 64 version when Game when the uh, yeah GameCube version come out, it was just, just yeah yeah blew us all away. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. All right. I mean, I, I could sit here and talk about, you know, all sorts of past games um, all night, but I guess yeah. you could probably save that for another episode. Yeah, yeah. Welcome back anytime if you'd like to uh, discuss any Nintendo games. <laughs> oh, definitely. I mean, you could even do like a... You know how you guys did your best Mario Karts? Have you done a best Super Mario's yet? 
Uh, gonna... No, not yet. Not yet, no. Yeah, I, I'd be totally in on that because I have played... Um, in, ter- in terms of, like, if you're talking about, like, Super Mario 64, um, Sunshine, Galaxy and that, I've played all of those. So I'd definitely be in to talk about that sort of stuff. Oh, yeah, that'd be awesome. That's a hell of a list, isn't it? Like, the Super Mario games. It's Oh, yeah. They're just quality. Actually, just, just, bef- just before we go... Um, in the weekly topic on Discord, Delfino Duran says just got his answer in from before. He said, uh, "Well, by the time I was playing Nintendo games, Rare had already been sold off to Microsoft, so I don't have any sort of history with Rare." Oh, I know. But they the seem, oh, sorry, but they seem pretty okay with Microsoft after the Rare replay collection. But I'm not so sure how they will move forwards. So yeah, yeah, I think we all agree yeah. with that. Just hopefully. Um, I think I think their involvement in uh, actually being let loose and being able to make CFEs is a good start. And mm. hope, yeah, we'll see, see. I, I very nearly like dipped my toe into the Xbox scene when I'd said sort of like gone out of gaming in general, and then it was pretty much becoming like Xbox versus Sony. That was what everyone was talking about. And then when Xbox was starting to look like the underdog, I felt like I needed to just get one <laughs> just to like support them do you know what I mean and knowing that they had Rare like I was like almost but I was like nah I'm not into my, like Microsoft as a company in general like I'm not that into so <laughs> yeah, like, like eh. Mr. Apple like, no, yeah <laughs> oh no but I mean like I don't like the, the the years of Microsoft versus Apple is way way gone like do you know what I mean like that's not yeah. even really yeah, yeah, much yeah. of a thing anymore but definitely yeah um yeah like it was so Please just can we just start like a petition? Get ready. I'm mean, sure there's petitions to get ready to come back to Nintendo, but <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, I'm, I'm sure the petition will work. I'm sure that will, uh, yeah, yeah, the answer. Really. <laughs> works every time. All right, guys, thank you very much for listening to the House of Mario episode 67. Uh, Simon, where can they find all your stuff, all your Twitter, all your everything? All my everything. Everything. Okay. If uh, yes, if you're keen on uh, Apple Tech, especially, and we do cover other various things like you know maybe we might talk about the latest google event and that sort of thing just to try and get a bit of a android perspective as well but it is predominantly apple so we'll give you heads up about that but if you'd like to listen to apple size search apple size uh, in your podcast player um you can find us uh on facebook uh, twitter and instagram uh, just search apple size podcast um and myself personally uh like where i posted my switch uh, xl concept my own Twitter is at sword to pen. That's S W O R D number two P E N. And yeah, it's um it's been great jumping onto the House of Mario. Good nostalgia trip. It was and, yeah. Yeah, and awesome. um I mean it's cool to just like I'm part of a podcast ne- uh, network called Ozcast Network, and you guys part of Eight Bit. So I'm kind of like I'm well into listening to all the different Eight Bit podcasts and stuff and. Um, Ozcast himself have a, a huge diverse range too of, of podcasts and so it's cool that we're both these kind of like yeah we're, we're okay we're both admittedly not massive big success podcasts right but we're both just as dedicated to it and you're like just as into Nintendo as I am into Apple and um, I just love that we could kind of like you know grow together and like guest on each other's pods and stuff yeah. Um, as That's we go what, on, yeah, it's what it's all about—just having fun and talking to people and getting uh, getting our thoughts out there. So, exactly, yeah. Um, you can find me on Twitter at idruby. You can find Bryce at ivreven, and you can find the show at the House of Mario. 
Uh, like Simon said, we are a part of the 8-Bit Collective, 10 podcasts coming together and 22 podcasters coming, uh, I already said coming together, and putting some good podcasts in your ears. Everyone's just coming together. Yeah, we're all just coming together. Let's just all come together. Um, have a chicken schnitzel and a furfy. Oh, a couple of furfies, mate. Oh, the froffies with the boys. <laughs> uh, this week's Nintendo jukebox is by Lame Genie, Lame Genie again. Uh, it's a, a Die Die Docks remix from Super Mario 64. And it is cool. quite good. I enjoy it a lot. So, guys, we'll see you next week and take care. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the House of Mario, episode 67. I'm your host, Drew Agnew, and joining me... Oh, no. I'll start again. I was uh, I missed one thing, <laughs> and I was, I was going to say Bryce. <laughs>